Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, I'm joined by the CMO of Venify, Sandeep Singh Kohli. And this was such a fun conversation. Sandeep is a really bright marketer who comes from product marketing and brings such passion for the technology space that he's made such a core to the moves in his career. Amazing stops at places like MuleSoft, a company that really took off with a fantastic IPO a number of years ago. He had his first true leadership marketing opportunity at Kong over a three-year period before joining Benefi to now do the same and make yet another unicorn in the market. Now, we hit on two keys in his mind of how we do this. One is embracing the voice of the customer, but we actually break that down in two different ways, and we'll hit on that. Think about this idea of what is the voice of the customer versus your voice to the customer. The idea being that customers are a two-way path. And the other thing that we hit on that I'd say connects that element of using content and using voice at every stage is realizing the responsibility we have as marketers at every stage of the buyer journey from top of the funnel to bottom of the funnel. Now, Sandeep talks about this as the idea of generations of marketing, both in terms of how we jump from one area of the buyer journey to the next and how we've taken on more as the decades have passed. Here is my chat with Sandeep. Sandeep, I am really excited for us to dig into how you became a CMO, how you got to the top of the leadership organization in marketing. And is it fair to say you've made sure to do this with companies that are well-timed to seize a market? (laughs) Well, first of all, it's such a great pleasure to be here with you, Randy. Um, This is super fun. I like to do these kinds of uh, sessions. So this um, this is a lot of fun. I would say that part of what you're saying is kind of true where um, I look at an opportunity and see what value I can bring into that company, uh, what marketing can do where some of the other ingredients are ready and uh, marketing becomes that driving force or catalyst. You know, been lucky that way uh, in you know, gigs that I've had. In fact, um, I've also at those moments in time said no to some of the other gigs that my friends would at that point in time say, are you stupid, Sandeep? Why are you not taking the other one? <laughs> so, but partly I've been lucky, partly, you know, there is, there is some homework that has gone into some of this. Let's dig a little bit more on that because timing is everything. Timing, you know, there's a sense of luck. There's a sense of being able to read the market, say yes, say no. And you and I were chatting even about MuleSoft, a company I tracked for a long time. We have a a joint contact uh, who invested in that company and it took them a while until they were able to seize the market as I used the words earlier. And you look at Kong, this is a company you joined early stage, but in a period of three years, took it to to a unicorn status and now at Venify 
this is a company that is growing exponentially. I mean, you you have at least 10% of the top 5,000 brands out there who need a solution like yours. How have you timed this so well? <laughs> so the big part here is always luck, right? But there's also a lot of homework in reading the market, understanding all the different things that are happening in the market. How's the product how are the different personas in their journey with uh, the transition? And some of this also comes through being a, a product uh, manager 20 years ago, right? And some of the uh, modeling, some of the strategy work um, that I did in the past. Uh, so some of those learnings are also things that I use as part of uh, understanding um, where the market is going. And it's also talking to the right people, like putting in the time and having a conversation um, with uh, people involved in that industry. And in some cases, also talking to customers before you even get into the interview process uh, of the uh, opportunity. And then you sprinkle, you know, your spice of luck. and. Uh... <laughs> well, I, I like how you call it homework. And, and I like how you defined different elements that some of us may have done approaching any job opportunity. But definitely at that CMO opportunity, you are an officer of the organization and you need to have confidence where this thing's going. You threw back to opportunities you've had in product marketing, one of them being time at Cisco, almost 13 years in product marketing at Cisco. How did that role of product marketing help you understand market potential as much as market positioning? This was a very interesting gig almost a decade ago. Uh, this was when uh, SDN or Software Defined Networks was not even called SDN at that time. And I was working with some of great uh, thinkers um, at Cisco who were on this path of re-visualizing networking from a software standpoint, right? Uh, before that time, Cisco was focused on boxes and hardware from a networking standpoint. And so when I worked with these people, they were coming in on that particular challenge from a technology standpoint. For me, that was a great opportunity and where I could bring in some good input into the conversation was the market study. And that's a point in time where um, I left the office, so to speak, and took the bag and, and spoke to customers, uh, prospects, uh, did multiple interviews. This is, this is where, by the way, it was, was a great time for me to also bring in or shift gears from, you know, you're, you're out from business school and there's, there's a lot of these concepts and, you know, strategy and all of that, which sometimes gets us into this ivory tower complex. And, and we had some of that at Cisco as well from the technical teams because, uh, you know, Cisco at that time, and to some extent even now, was a leader in networking, right? And it was a 
supply constrained market. Uh, and so whatever Cisco did, everyone bought, right? But this was a new thing. Software defined networks was a new thing. And this was where getting those insights from the market, from the customers, from their buying behavior, from, you know, the changing personas within that market. That was, you know, a very interesting uh, exercise, which was, which led to a great outcome at that point in, in time. So let's fast forward then, because there's a lot of learnings in there that you're describing from not getting caught up in the element of just the product versus the customer need. And, you know, not getting caught up in the features as much as what is a customer out there asking for. As you've architect your marketing organization today or at Kong in the last five years or so, where does customer marketing sit in terms of a reporting structure to the CMO? Is this something that weaves through product marketing or is this something that is standalone at a company of your scale? Yeah, so th there are two aspects of customer marketing, right? That one is marketing to customers, right? Uh, renewal, upsell, cross-sell. And the other is how do you leverage the customer's voice and advocacy for marketing, right? Based on those two different things, they, they lie at different places uh, within the, the marketing organization, right? Uh, the first part for me lies so much in demand gen and growth marketing. And the second part lies uh, on content marketing. Depending upon the maturity of the organization, you know, it could lie in uh, product marketing as well. Uh, at MuleSoft, we started that journey first in product marketing, and then we graduated it to corporate marketing. Earlier in the journey, it makes, uh, to me, a lot more sense for it to be more closely to uh, product marketing because they are the ones that are talking to the customers and uh, they have more customer engagement. And so they're able to leverage that uh, relationship um, and, and bring that up front from a content perspective. As an organization matures and when you have these things more at a run rate, it can transition to corporate marketing where it becomes a lot more program management because you have a good steady flow of um, these opportunities and uh, it becomes uh, more about how do we keep that, you know, that factory going. Uh, and there's a consistency of message, high-level message, which, you know, brand and corporate marketing are really, really good. Really interesting how you think about that, Sandeep. I feel like we're already crossing over into our second section here, which is go to market. We're going to come back, hit more on that right after this break on the marketer's journey. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies 
and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. Sandeep helped me remember that there's two sides to customer marketing. There is what I'll call the voice of the customer and the voice to the customer. Now, they're both very important, but both different in terms of how we're communicating. The voice of the customer is our ability to hear what our customers have to say. This could happen in a customer advisory board. This could happen through an ambassador program. This could happen just by checking out your reviews on a site like G2 or whatever might be most prominent in your industry. Now on the other side, we have the voice to the customer. That's our ability to learn from that previous side and actually go and find ways to upsell and expand into those organizations. Now, one of these is very much a community role, whereas the other one is very much a demand role. And I think it's important that we all take a step back at times and make sure that we don't have the wrong person overseeing one side or the other of customer marketing. In some cases, as Sandeep outlines, you may want to split this and actually have people from, say, product marketing or people from demand help put a hand in to push this engine in the right direction. Sandy, before we took a break, you were describing your time at Cisco where marketing was very much, here's our product, let us present it to you. How has marketing evolved in terms of the responsibilities at different stages as you've been through your career? That's a great question. And uh, this is where I, I feel that over the years, over the decades, we have gone through various generations of marketing, right? If you look at the buyer's journey, the funnel, you have these various stages of prioritization, awareness, interest, evaluation, purchase, and advocacy, right? If you think about marketing four decades ago, it was so much about brand building, about that tagline, right? And how you kept in the buyer's journey at the prioritization and awareness level. Absolutely. Over the decades, we've started moving deeper into the, the funnel from a responsibility perspective. You addressed this in your book really well about how in around 2007, 2008, that time frame, marketing started becoming responsible for building interest uh, and building leads and pipeline and how HubSpot use content, right, to to drive inbounds. That, by the way, I call, you know, generation two, where demand was constrained and supply was infinite, right? And competition grew so much. Uh, there's so much awareness by uh, prospects and buyers before they even talk to uh, the customer, right? Moving forward, it has now become that you provide leads, after that, you said, okay, I'm going to provide a um, pipeline. Now, from a CMO standpoint, that's not enough. You are driving revenue along with your Seattle chief sales officer. Because if you're not, then you know, you, you're going to be having those 
discussions around, hey, this pipeline is shit or this doesn't make sense or what have you, right? So you're now responsible. This is where I call uh, Gen 3, where a CMO is responsible for, uh, you know, in partnership with all these other leaders in closing. And once it's closed on retention uh, and upsell and cross-sell. And so it's the entire buyer's journey. Well, to your point, Sandy, the conversation we had before the break was all about customer marketing, an area that we wouldn't have discussed five years ago, 10 years ago. This is maybe that's generation four, as you would continue to to say. A absolutely. And, and as part of that is, is also a community, which becomes like this whole parallel layer that goes along your buyer and user journey, which is where you build a community and this community can, can have its own funnel, right? It could be a community of your existing customers, but it could also be a community of prospects. And if you have an open source uh, project, like uh, we have here at Venify or how we had at uh, Com, that has its own community funnel, or uh, then I used to call it uh, not a funnel, but, um, but an engagement box. And, and there's a whole life cycle of community where you need to address it in a very different way. So the bottom line is this is becoming, you know, an end by end multidimensional chess, which is fascinating and interesting. And it's showing its own interesting problems for us uh, CMOs and marketers in general. Absolutely. Well, it's it's interesting as well. And I'm sure some people listening here are excited by that because there's more ownership opportunity. They're probably also overwhelmed by this because if you have a team of, you know, five to 10 marketers early stage, how do you hit all these different generations that you just described? But let's, let's look at the organizations you're in because there's, they're more established uh, I believe your marketing team is somewhere in the 50, 60 people range. Do you break it up across these generations of coverage where you talk to your team in that matter of the different stages or the different cycle as you described, or is everyone responsible throughout that buyer journey? Um, so there is an aspect of being responsible for the entire journey in general, but then you have certain teams that are focused on particular areas, right? From a brand and a corporate marketing perspective, uh, they are focused on prioritization and awareness, right? And obviously there are some aspects of advocacy that weave back into you know, the customer marketing, the marketing, using the marketing, uh, using the customer as a uh, customer's voice as marketing gets weaved back into brand and, and comms. Uh, when it comes to uh, demand gen and growth marketing, this is where some of the digital and your online advertising, those are focused on building the pipeline. But then when you look at field marketing and ABM teams, their focus need not be just on building the pipeline, but how do you increase the velocity of the pipeline uh, to close one? And this is the place where product marketing can also 
uh, help the most. Not just producing content, providing the messaging and positioning, but also working with sales and uh, making sure that the sales are enabled with the right content message at the different stage until it closes uh, one. And then as we were talking about after someone becomes a customer, there is marketing to customer and marketing from. So I, the, the one part I'd love for you to layer on top of all of this, and, and to a degree you did that by describing demand responsibility so well, that it's it's not at one stage. It's about following that pipeline and accelerating or moving someone from one stage to the next. What is the content team's role? Are they allocated to have someone focus on generation one, generation two, et cetera? Or are they really working with some of these stakeholders to prioritize what content's next? Yeah. This is where I and trump your book. You made it really relevant and clear for us modern marketers on how to think about uh, content. And it's all about the content experience and how do you, from you know what you call the Netflix style of delivery of content, how do you create a content experience where you don't force someone on a particular content journey, but you build the right breadcrumbs for them and let them self-select into uh, this this journey. The interesting challenge that we have with you know all these stages of awareness is there is another element to this is the persona, and there is so many studies being made, especially with these large uh, accounts, how over time the number of people that are involved in a particular opportunity, uh, probably going from like seven to 10, 11, 12, and as we're speaking, it's probably becoming 13, right? So that's one element. But the other element is with digital transformation and all these cloud, cloud native transformations that are happening in, within the organizations, there are also now these new buying teams. And this is happening so much in cybersecurity. Uh, where previously there used to be just InfoSec, and they were the ones, you know, from CISO down down the chain. They were the, the sole people that were responsible, and they were the buyers. Now you have with cloud-native Kubernetes, you have new platform teams that are, some start with assuming there's all security is going to be built in into Kubernetes and soon realize that that's not the case, and then and then they sometimes make some spot purchases, and then there's some interesting dynamic that happens between InfoSec and platform teams. Now, that's one. The other one is with the new AppSec persona, which is the application developers. They, because now with code, that is also an identity, and you need to have a way to manage and uh, secure that machine uh, identity uh, during code development. So that now becomes, again, an interesting persona-based to address. And so with all these things happening concurrently, uh, Randy, for us to sit in a room, in an ivory tower, and, and map all these in by... It's difficult. It's, it's, just, it's just not sustainable, right? So I guess the key takeaway here before we take a break is when you have, if you're listening to this in like Sandeep's world, 
many of us have buyers who have different needs and they're overlapping and they're looking at various different solutions all at once, you need to give them a finite number of options to choose from. Don't give them your entire catalog, as you're saying. Narrow it down so that they have choices, but we may never get the exact right journey for every single buyer. Is that a fair way to put it? Absolutely. And and for that, I'll also recommend everyone to go and read your book. Which well, thank you. you. I, I feel like... Uh, so much better than I, I did today. <laughs> people are going to think I paid you to come on today. Uh, <laughs> on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Sandeep. It feels like just the other day, we were still talking about marketing's responsibility being not just at the top of the funnel with awareness, but in supporting sales. Now, we're struggling to not just do that, but also help post-sale. Now, this is extremely important because we've learned that retention is just as important as net new logos. Now, the question is, as Sandeep says, what is that next generation? Is it going to be a more holistic view? Is it going to be breaking out marketing into different approaches? I've heard my good friend Jay Bear say it's moving to a focus on customer experience as a whole versus marketing. What's your take on the responsibility of marketing, where it begins, where it ends, and where it gets divided? So Sandy, we got really deep on career journey segment around how you went yourself from kind of a very product focused role and eventually found yourself in a CMO gig. Usually I like to ask people how to become a CMO, but you've got a history of just getting into marketing. And I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast sometimes just want to get into marketing. What are your tips there? I actually don't have a tip because I am an accidental marketer. I stumbled upon it 20 years ago. If you would ask me, Sunny, do you want to be a market marketer? I would have said no. There was a point in my career where I had, uh, you know, a few patents. Uh, I was trying to get my master's in science in Stanford. And, and I just felt that I'm going to be doing more of the same with technology. And I moved on to the business side. We talked about, you know, my uh, experience as a, as a product um, manager. And the, the product that we were talking about, because it was so new to the market, our central marketing organization did not support the marketing for that because it was below the threshold for year one uh, revenue goals. And I was forced to market my own product and I loved it. Before that, during the week I was an engineer, over the weekend I would you know, dance as part of a dance troupe and, you know, I would satiate my creative side uh, on the side, but marketing gave me the opportunity to bring both of those to work on a daily basis. And I loved it. I'm going to give you my takeaway from that, which is, I think the key to being in marketing or ultimately getting to the CMO is to have a passion for what you're doing. And, and I think it's so clear with you know, your, what brought you into marketing, as you just described, and as well, some of the companies, you know, if people take a look at what companies like MuleSoft have done, Kong and Venify, I mean, this is, this is technology and you get to market that an area you're so passionate about. So very interesting. 
Another question that we touched on, and, and I want to go and get your take on what where your passion lies is what content gets you excited? Like when someone's marketing to you, what type of content breaks through? Content that's relevant and timely. Content where someone has actually thought about me as a person and where I might be in my journey today. And that has to be captured in the title and the first two sentences. If not, it is getting deleted right away, right? Relevant and timely. That Those are great tips. And, and you know what? This is the thing where people like me and on my, you include, and I'm sure we are waiting, we are earning for good content. We all want to make our lives easier. And so if you make it relevant and timely, we'll pay back in kind. I, I like that. So when you, when you say relevance, I, I think a lot of us think of the word personalization. And I'm curious, when you talk about some of those words in your world as a CMO, what are some of those words that make it feel personalized beyond the fact they know your name is Sandeep? Well, I'll give you a great example. November, September, this time frame is where we start doing 2023 planning, right? If there's a content that is... Um, relevant to help me uh, learn something new for uh, 2023 planning. This is where it's relevant to me and it's gotten to me. And just saying my name or telling that who am I connected to or something like that doesn't, you know, that doesn't help. Like someone has to really do some work beyond that to be relevant. Well, to your point, it's got to be timely. And, and I think, you know, calling out, as you said, just the time of the year shows someone that you're thinking about, they're thinking about your priorities. Speaking of priorities and speaking of personal priorities, my last question for you today is, is the balance between that and the role of a CMO. Uh, I know you got two kids who are twins, uh, but the same age as my youngest. And I'm wondering, how do you, how do you find time to be there for them, to be there for yourself with the expectations of these fast-growing organizations. Yeah, um, this is where I heard this from a leader, Padmashri, uh, at Cisco a long time ago and just hits home as we become uh, execs. There's no work-life balance, it's work-life in life integration, right? And so that's one ex acceptance. But then it is also where when you're with family, when you're with self, you're actually very intentional uh, about it. With with my children, I like dancing and thankfully they do also. So, and we don't plan things randomly when we are all together. And if we're in the mood, we'll just put on music and Tatin Natch, which is essentially Bombay street dancing, which is, you're just d dancing carelessly and, you know, for fun. So it's really pleasure to do, but not so pleasurable to watch. But we'll just do that, <laughs> you know. And and that, this is how I'm enjoying my time. They're enjoying, and we're having a good time. Certain moments like that. We traveled also like a couple of weeks ago. We were in Israel. Um, we took that week off. The me time is also very important, and that's morning. And I, over COVID, I developed this habit of making, brewing my own tea in the morning, grinding my own spices oh, wow. uh, in the morning. And it's, 
it's so therapeutic right in the morning. That's me time. There's no certain segment for meditation. This whole process has now become a, a meditation for me. Right? That's beautiful. I mean, everyone else went and bought an espresso machine. You just took the time to actually do it yourself at home. I like that. I, I really enjoyed everything that you've shared, Sandy. This has been such a great episode. So much to take away from your journey. And if people are tuning in for the first time, I think every CMO's path is unique. Uh, you're a great example of that. If you're listening, create your own path. One day, hopefully, you'll be on this podcast to share it. Until next time, thank you to Sandeep and thank you to all of you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.